That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I am Jack Fowler, the host, but you're here to listen to the star and the namesake, and that is Victor Davis Hanson. He's the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. This particular episode will be up on Thanksgiving Day. So, Victor, at the end of this podcast, we're going to get into the life of Victor Davis Hanson, the Thanksgiving day of Victor Davis Hanson, your favorite pies and favorite kind of stuffing. I think we'll ask that. But there are, there are some more important topics than that to discuss first. An important new study that shows just how drastic the consequences of the COVID vaccine have been oh my God, for the world. Talk about that. I'm, I'm you're talking to a long COVID survivor. Well, it's it's uh, at least you survived. <laughs> well, the 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 consequences of the vaccine have been uh, there. Are, there are a lot of people that are not not around to talk about it because they've been off by the vaccine. But, Victor, we'll, we'll get to all this. First, I want our listeners to uh, remember that uh, Senator Rand Paul recently pointed out that United Healthcare pays AARP roughly $800 million a year. And this explains why AARP supported the Inflation Reduction Act, which had nothing to do with inflation, but did give billions of tax dollars to big corporations. The Association of Mature American Citizens, AMAC, is fighting every day to pass common sense policies for American seniors. AMAC is working to preserve Social Security and Medicare, pass healthcare transparency, secure election integrity, and protect our children and grandchildren from the left's dangerous agenda. So join me, Jack Fowler, a member, and two million other Americans nationwide, and become an AMAC member today for as little as $1 a month. This is our chance to remind Washington that we have a voice. And with the help of AMAC, we will fight to preserve our values. So join AMAC today at amac.us forward slash Victor. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash V-I-C-T-O-R. We thank AMAC for sponsoring the Victor Davis Hanson Show. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson show. I forgot to mention at the um, beginning of of the recording here, Victor, that you do have a website. There are a lot of new listeners. They may not know this. It's called The Blade of Perseus. The web address is victorhanson.com. And folks do go there. You will find links to all of Victor's articles that he writes for American Greatness, his syndicated column, uh, links to uh, these podcasts, the archives and other appearances, links to his books. Uh, the forthcoming uh, one, Oh my gosh, Victor! I put the name. The there we go. The end of it. Well, in the subtitle, I heard how how wars descended to annihilation. Uh, that comes out um, May seventh, but you can pre-order it now on on Amazon. And then there are the ultra articles, which you cannot read unless you subscribe. Five bucks gets you in the door. Fifty dollars discounted for the full year. That's the Blade of Perseus. VictorHanson.com. Well, Victor, um, today, well, not the day we're recording, but the day this is airing is Thanksgiving Day. And I I know that life can get pretty busy and getting the recommended daily dose of fruit and veggies may be the last thing on your mind, especially today, folks, especially today, if you have a big bowl of stuffing in front of you. Well, that's why I take Field of Greens. Each fruit and vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected for a specific health benefit, some support vital organs like heart, lungs, and kidneys, and others support metabolism for healthy energy and weight loss. Uh, I trust Field of Greens for my health, and you can too. So let me get you started with 15% off. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R. That's promo code VICTOR at fieldofgreens.com. And we thank Field of Greens for sponsoring the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Uh, Victor, some of the, some of the um, information in, in this uh, report um, is, is really, really, um, it's shocking, but indulge me here and let me just share this with you and with our listeners and then get your take on all this, Victor. So the overall risk of death induced by injection with the COVID-19 vaccines in actual populations uh, is globally pervasive and much larger than reported in clinical trials. Adverse effect monitoring and cause of death uh, statistics from death certificates. How much? How how much larger, Victor? It says here by three orders of magnitude, which means a 1,000 fold greater. It says here that um, in the world population, if it's extrapolated, there was one death uh, per every 470 living people in less than three years from the COVID vaccine, not from COVID, the COVID vaccine. Uh, 
It did not measurably prevent any deaths. If you could take this and information and apply it to the to the United States, there were were at least, according to this report, at least three hundred forty thousand American deaths associated with the COVID vaccine. And the final thing here, Victor, vaccines did not reduce serious illness, as claimed by the manufacturers, enough to reduce any risk of death. Mm-hmm. Victor, this is um, maybe it's not surprising you know, as someone who suffered long term COVID, but there are a lot of dead people because of the vaccine, in addition to people dead because of of COVID. And this isn't a report that should be on the front page of the New York Times and the Washington Post, et cetera. But no way, no way we're hearing about this except by these, uh, you know, a little sideways uh, means. Victor, your thoughts? I'm not an immunologist and I'm not an epidemiologist, so I can't weigh in and critique that news account in a professional manner. I can just say that that narrative as a as observer of popular opinion and the news that narrative that anthony fauci gave us that if you were to trust him and francis collins and the groups that they represent pfizer that they had dealt with and moderna and others and you got this mrna vaccination two of them and then a series of boosters how it was sold to us was that you would not get COVID 96% and you would not give people COVID. And we learned within a few months, that was a lie. I got the second Moderna at the end of February, 2021. And I got a bad case of Delta in August at Hillsdale college. And so it it didn't work. I have a member of my family, I won't mention names, who had to have a biopsy and a series of CAT scans for certain types of possible malignancies that were not malignancies, but they showed up as possible malignancies uh, under exam and under x-rays. I should say that's that would include CAT scans and MRI. And the people who conducted them understood that that was not irregular, that people who had these vaccinations sometimes showed um, irregular scans and that that was not a reason to do a serious biopsy. So those member of my family did. So and then I've had people who work for me and associate with me who have had one and two and three boosters. And I can tell you that in some cases, when you get a booster, they almost came down when they traveled with COVID. And there was almost the perception, Jack, that, and I think it's borne out with some scientific support, that when you get these vaccinations and you're your body starts to produce these because they're not vaccinations. They're more like genetic reengineering starts to produce these spike proteins of different shapes or forms to, to match the current mutant uh, COVID virus that's out there. 
that that taxes your immune system and that you're more vulnerable for a while. Why? And I think that's true of flu vaccinations, traditional ones, too, that your white blood count may go down for a bit while you're trying to or your T cells while you're trying to produce these. So there were all these things that no one talked about. And when I got my second Moderna, I was very ill. And then Delta, bam, very ill. And then I got Omicron and I thought, well, you know, I've had two vaccinations. I've already had this. No, and I just ignored it, tested negative within five days and bam, I had long COVID. I've just, everything fell apart for about a year and a half. And so, and I don't know if that had anything to do with these with these vaccinations, people suggest, well, you I've had people tell me that. But the point I'm getting at is they don't no one comes out and says, I think it was understandable. And we rushed out these mRNA vaccinations too soon without sufficient testing or we had to get them out because COVID was killing elderly people and we should have focused on elderly people first that didn't have long periods to live anyway, people like myself and just focus on them, but not have given them to children or young men or people who were in robust health. And the same thing is true. Now we're starting to see this whole facade crumble because I think you will also see these associated stories where people are saying, the lockdowns were a disaster. There, New York Times said that about children just this week. Children never really recovered from the lack of mathematical and grammatical and analytical training. They lost it and they're still catching up and they, they don't know if they'll ever catch up. So the lockdowns and every I don't think we would have ever had the George Floyd riots. I don't think we would have ever had the January 6th Fuhrer. I don't think we would have had any of this had we not shut down the entire country and confined people for over a year in their homes. And so the whole thing is a disaster. And right now we're starting to see, as I said, the dam broke of censorship. And we're starting to see accurate assessments of the damage that the quarantine did. We're starting to see accurate assessments where the COVID virus originated. We're starting to see the truth about the Chinese and their role in it. We're starting to see, I think, some new stories, as you just referenced, about the vaccinations, that it was a new unproven type of inoculation and we didn't really know the ramifications and now when we look at it epidemiologically we can't see that fewer people in a given studied population died uh, because they were safe and inoculated from covid and the inverse may be true in other studies that it caused such an immune response than the inflammation or whatever term we use that it affected people in a very negative way and killed them. So I'm, I, I think one, we're going to, I guess we're going to see everything start to come out now. And I think yeah. that Anthony Fauci is no longer a hero. Francis Collins is no longer a hero. Dr. Burks is no longer a hero. The Moderna and Pfizer CA, CEOs are no longer heroes because they, they gave us a narrative and they were so intolerant of any criticism right. or dissent. Right. 
and that Jay Bacchayara Bacchayara was a hero and Scott Atlas was a hero. Martin Kullendorf was a hero. And I think we're going to see that the people who were skeptical that were demonized and those brave soldiers in the military, they eight or nine thousand of them. They said, you know what? I, I can handle the COVID, but I don't want to get an untested experimental inoculation. And they kicked them out of the military. And now what are they doing? They're at, they're writing them letters, Jack, and asking them to come back. It's basically they said, well, we kicked you out because we were in this frenzied state of mind and we were puritanical. And we have no dissent. And you were an insurrectionist, sort of a January 6th person. And we want you Trump guys out. And then they said, oh, my God. These were the people who die at double their demographics in Afghanistan and Iraq, and they never complain. And we just kicked them out. And now we're short 50,000 people in the military and the military has just humiliated itself in Afghanistan. It's short munitions and it's getting a terrible press because of its DEI fixation and the joint chairman of the Joint Chief who just stepped down, Mr. Milley, didn't do us any favors. And when the, the retired uh, four stars who weighed in in contrary to the Uniform Code of Military Justice or whatever, we, we have a problem. So when you people come back, we need you. Forget about the how we drove you out. Forget what we said about you. Forget about the discharges. Just come back. We, we, we promise we'll forget everything, but we need you. That's what they're doing now. Yeah. Well, they couldn't tell us anything with certainty about the drug or the vaccine or whatever you want to call it itself. But with certainty, they could tell you that you were un-American or you were a criminal. Yes. You know? It gets me really angry what they did to the military people. It gets me yeah. really angry where I work, what people did to Scott Atlas and what they said about him. And they have no apologies. Gets me really, really angry about how people canonized Anthony Fauci when he flat out went under oath and said that he was there was no money going to gain a function research. He knew that was untrue and there were no ramifications. It gets me so angry when I hear stories about the lockdown, when I had a granddaughter who's mentally, I guess she would say disabled, genetically disabled. And she's walking down the streets of Santa Cruz and somebody pulls over and she's not able to wear a mask out in the outdoors with nobody except my daughter around her. Somebody pulls over and yells at her and screams at her and all of these stories. And uh, these people that it was almost like the Salem witch trials. It was a period of American hysteria and madness. That guy, that guy, that guy. That guy paddleboarding out in the, in the Pacific and yeah. uh, the cops trying to arrest him. I mean, skateboarding I, I know that sounds out comical. Skateboarding. And then it was almost vigilantes. I mean, yeah, it yeah. wasn't like these are this is what's so weird about the left. You can be in a subway in New York and somebody's about a, a career criminal is about ready to hurt somebody and you, you grab him and they're going to put you in jail or you pull out a gun and say, don't kill that person. They'll put you in jail. So they hate vigilantes, but they'll come out of the woodwork and scream and yell at a person without a mask yeah. and just go hysterical and try to ruin their lives or it'll try to cancel them. 
about things that they know nothing about other than that they're self-righteous and they're going to their life is so important and don't you ignorant people endanger it by breathing a hundred yards away a molecule that might go into their respiratory system that's how they think and they mm-hmm. and boy the psychological socio-economic so, social psycho uh, ramifications of these last three years are just, it's, and I, I met so many people. I've been speaking uh, a lot. Finally, I got back into speaking in the month of November, Jack, and I have so many people at the end of a talk or before a talk, they would come up and say, I don't recognize this country. I cannot recognize it. I, 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 I filled up for gas. It was 150 bucks for my truck. Or they'll say, I went to San Francisco. I can't believe what I saw in the street. Or they'll say, wow, I went and bought a steak. It was $28 for one steak at the store. What happened? Or they'll, you know, now with after October 7th, who are these people? Don't they understand you can't go in and mutilate and kill and murder and rape? Don't you understand that? And And so... I don't know what caused this this collective madness, but a lot of people um, are starting to see that uh, they've got to do something. They've got to stand up and stop this yeah. stuff. And, yeah. uh, and don't expect any apologies from the people who did the damage. Do Nothing. not expect anybody in the Pentagon to write a letter of apology to the people they drove out of the military. Do not expect anybody at the CDC or the FBA or any of those alphabet that right. suit agencies to apologize. No, 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 yeah. no, no. They won't. And we live in a shameless age. Uh, hey, Victor, we 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 have one more thing to discuss, and maybe on a on a lighter note, and we'll get to that right after this final message. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. with the Victor Davis Hanson show. Victor, you know, people love to hear your wisdom and your analyses of world events and trends and culture and the academy. But there's a lot of people who are who are also quite interested in Victor Davis Hanson himself. So Victor, a little a little uh, let me pose this to you. Uh, you can have whatever Thanksgiving dinner you want to have. And Mrs. Hanson, who, by the way, I must tell all our listeners, she's a, she's a great lady and a phenomenal cook. But um, 
what she wants doesn't matter. It's just what you want. So what is uh, what is a Victor Davis Hanson preferred Thanksgiving dinner? And, and I do very much want to know your preferred pie choice and what kind of stuffing you like, if you do like stuffing. Well, I mean, we have to start. I have to start by confessing I am a lousy cook. And someone's cooking I, it for you. You don't have to cook it yourself. But I'm also a lousy uh, critic of cooking because oh. I'll eat anything because when I get hungry. But I've been very fortunate in my life that my wife and my family, when I grew up, were wonderful cooks. So maybe the fact that I didn't pay attention was the the, the food. I, I, I think everybody, I'm 70, when you get that age, something happens to you. You start living in the past too much. But I, when I think, when I come to a holiday, I think of the period, say, 1957, 58 to 19, I guess I'd say 78, that 20-year period between the ages of four or five and 25. And it was really, I was very fortunate because we, we had a small little farmhouse. It was only 800 square feet. And then my dad added 600 feet in a separate house. So we had to walk. I think I said, you know, we went up from the bedroom outside to the kitchen and living room. And we all shared, you know, we, first one bathroom and then we had two. But on, on Thanksgiving, it was, I guess that generation that they were the first to go to college in their, in their generation, my mom and dad. But they were into the self-help. So they studied, they read voraciously cookbooks. And they would uh, watch these first generation TV shows once in a while. Or they Julia were, Child. Yeah, they, they knew every, they loved Julia Child. Yeah. And they would try to experiment and they would ask for people's recipes. And the result was on Thanksgiving, my parents were like a team. They, they got up and my dad did the turkey and the stuffing. And then my mother did cranberry sauce and started to do these, this, these potatoes were like, I don't know. They just taste mashed potatoes. And then she started baking apple and pumpkin pies. And then they would make homemade ice cream. And my gosh, by the, and then they had, we had this house. It was very small, but they just turned this three or 400 square foot living room in the old house into a one long table. And then it was our job to round up all of the uh, extended family. So it was easy to get my grandparents. They were living in the house that I I live now. And, but my aunt was crippled with polio. So I would go down and I'd get their old fair lane. I would drive that walk down and get their fair lane and then uh, get the wheelchair and put my aunt in and then my grandparents and drive them the quarter mile down, unload them, put them there very early so they could watch the cooking. And they were helpful. They were. And then. uh my father, we had a uh, great uncle who didn't like us, but we liked him. And he's a Bronco say, Buster. Yeah, he was. <laughs> I, I liked him. I liked him, but yeah. a lot of people didn't. He was my grandmother's brother. He's called Tango. He was something else. Twelve years old, he rode a horse all the way from New Mexico. I loved talking to him, but <laughs> he wasn't the saint that my grandfather was. But nevertheless, then I got this care package from my father, and then I would drive over. Uh, about four miles to his farmhouse and 
and he had his cowboy boots and his brandy and his little cigarette. He lived to be 96. And I would hand him all this food and he would have a drink with me. And then I would drive back and then we wait for my Swedish grandfather to come. And he came from Kingsburg, the Swedish colony. And then he would sit with my, he and my grandfather, my maternal and paternal grandfather got along great. They were very different. One was a, I guess you'd call a horse breaker. He broke horses and had, a, you know, he grew up with animals and sold, bought and sold goats and sheep, broke horses for people. And then my grandfather was a farmer, but they talked. And then my aunt was there with my mother. And then my mother's other sister, and this is very sad because my aunt died of kidney cancer. My mom died of brain cancer. And my aunt, who was a college professor at a community college, had gone with my mom to Stanford in the 40s. And she came over with her family, her my uncle-in-law and my first cousins. And they were coming. And then my dad's sister would come with her three kids and her husband. And you put them all together. Then we had a person who, when my mom went to work, she would babysit us sometimes. Bertha, she's Mexican-American. And then she would come and they would all be there. And it was like 20 people, 25. And it was just a madhouse. But then the food was delicious. And then it was kind of... You know, I don't know if it was the Scandinavian, but it was just tons of coffee. My dad made really good coffee yeah. and tons of coffee and then ice cream and pie. And this dinner that started at one would go on till about seven, eight at night. And then there was leftovers that people would stay. And then they <laughs> I, said, I can tell you something really gross, though, that my mom and dad. <laughs> We lived in a little country and we had an ancient cesspool and and septic tank. And so when the Christmas and Thanksgiving started to get on the horizon, my mom would get paranoid. (laughs) We only had one bathroom in the whole thing for 20 people. So then it was Victor and his two brothers, Doug, went out in the the lawn and dug out two feet down and then took this these two big things and then got the old uh, pump gas pump. It wasn't a Honda, believe me. I wish it was. It was an old Briggs and Spratt or Tecumseh engine. And then we put a hose down there and we pumped this crap through Literally. 50 feet of hose and pipes out into the vineyard, which you're not supposed to do way out there. And then, of course, we would go get the tractor and disc it under. And then we had to pump up this the, the liquid. We didn't have a leech line. It was a septic and a sept pool. And then we would get it all done. And then if it got really bad, one of us got a ladder, went down to the bottom because the my oh, father okay. would say, well, you know, it's not draining because the cesspool's not draining because there's too much crap got in there and we didn't pull up and it's coated the bottom. So you go, Victor, go down there with a bucket and dig it out. So oh, you see sand God. again. And, and then we do that. And then we would get it all ready, like, you know, the first of November. And then we would tell my mom, there's not going to be any sewage problems. <laughs> I don't know. I think they had the money to call people to p- pump it up, but they had us do it. That's right. We had uh, children, uh, Roto-Rooter. Uh, yeah, we were so like right. the, I don't know, there's too many children to do all these things. And then it was, yeah. you know, we. but then it was, uh, and then it was hunt, hunt the, um, hunt for all the, borrowed the chairs and tables from my grandparents and everybody. And then 
Uh, one thing I do remember was for that generation, it was really strange because they didn't have money, but my grandparents had the most beautiful sterling silver set and, and bone china, you know, beautiful china. And my parents did too. And they would, we would go down and get their 24 set and my parents, and they would have this beautiful silver. And the night before they would just spend, they would be up late and we had to help polish all the silver. Yeah. People don't do that anymore. I don't. They do don't. No. no. People and don't want china for wedding gifts or silver for wedding gifts. Is that, I, I don't know what it, but I have this beautiful china from my grandparents and from my parents, and I gave it to my daughter. Beautiful silver, um, sterling silver set, yeah. lace settings, and uh, so it was just a, it was just a wonderful time. And then they would sit there, these people, my grandparents in their seventy, and it was. Well, you know, there was old Pete, Pete Jensen, and didn't he marry the girl over there in Sanger? Yes, they did. And they had a 20 acres. Now, what happened? Oh, he died. He died. Remember that? And then they would just go on these genealogies for hours. And then there was no political politics at all. Right. And they had these sayings, you know, you'd say, and that's all there is to that. And he'd say something, and that's it. And that's what it was. And uh, let me tell you, it was like, and it's cold as ice outside. It's hot as the firecracker in here. That stuff in that language, that 19th century dialogue, you know, yeah. world dialogue. It was kind of a accent of Midwestern California. I don't know what it was, but they had, my grandfather had a Swedish accent, but one of them. But it was a weird it was um, everybody was part of a little link in this big family chain. And it was a period where I don't remember death for that moment. There's must be generational when you are in, you know, five, six, seven, eight, ten, twelve. Your parents are in their 40s, early 40s or late 30s, and they're in their prime. And then their parents are in their early 70s. You know what I mean? So you don't you don't hear people right. dying. And so it was all robust. And then when you got in your 20s, you know, my aunt got breast cancer and died at 49. My other got kidney cancer in their 50s. My mom got brain and it was everybody dying. Yeah. But not that it was just like every everything was pristine. They were like superhuman. But and they there was no talk about pessimism the way that I should you know, Eeyore talk. No. Eeyore, right. Yeah. It was all self, it was can do, you know, JFK was a great president and, you know, and uh, the country's on the move and upward mobility. And, and if you didn't have very much, it didn't matter, you know? Yeah. And then they would say, I remember my grandfather finally saved up money, my sweet and bought a Dodge Dart with a slant six. And my dad said, oh, my God, Dad, you bought a, a slant six Dodge. How'd you afford that? It runs forever. You know, it was it was all oh. upbeat. It was not I don't remember. Yeah, we were going to the moon, you know, I mean, yeah, it was. Right? It was can do. And then every yeah. once in a while they would talk if they and they didn't drink it. My dad later drank a lot. But at that time around us, he didn't drink very much and they didn't drink. But it was. They talk about, you know, World War II and, well, you know, he 
the Jensen, or the Jorgensen boy, he he got it in the head at Normandy, or I remember that, and they would talk about that, yeah. the war, because you know in 1957 when I was con- first memories 58, right. the war was you know 15 only 15 years, right, and yeah, so sure. it was like today talking about. Well, it was much closer than nine eleven is than is nine eleven oh. is to us at today. Stock market meltdown two thousand eight, right? Yes, it's it was something like yeah. that, and it yeah. was immediate memory, and right. they knew a lot of people who had been killed in the family and outside the family. So that was a a topic, and then I just remembered that I don't think anybody thought. I, I look back and I think, wait. Your parents went to college and your dad was trying to farm and, and teach and your mom was a, a home mom. And then she went and but she did have a law degree. And why were you living in an 800 square foot farmhouse? Right. And well, well they you had to clean your own cesspool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had all you we never bought a new car in my entire life. I can say that my parents never bought a new car. Not one. Maybe they leased one when my mom got to be about. 58. Yeah. So we had all these cars out there and we were working on them all the time. Their idea was you get six used cars and you have three spares and then you drive them and then somebody picks you up when one breaks down. Right. And and you don't, and that's that I can remember that, but there was never any sense. Well, we're poor or those guys have more than we do. There was no, I don't remember that in the envy or anger or, you know, when you had Thanksgiving, the food was so delicious. And a lot of it, you know, we had uh, we lived on a ranch. So our farm. So we had raisins and we had uh, we they had canned things like tomatoes and canned peaches yeah. and stuff. Did you did you have turkeys next? Did you tell about the, within those the eucalyptus trees? Yes, or whatever we had. I have a big eucalyptus farm. Uh, we did. Farm. And I. I have childhood nightmares about that because in the 19th century, when they came here, they didn't have wood, obviously. And they, the Sierras were a long way away. So they came up with this idea of planting Australian blue gum, which is a variety of eucalyptus because they didn't need any water and they got enormous. But the problem was the wood split and the barn that I'm looking out the window right now is built with eucalyptus. And when I tried to save it, Last year, when they rebuilt it, parts of it, I kept the eucalyptus uh, two by sixes. They're not two by sixes. They're tree trunks. And they still yeah. hold it up after 150 years. But you go in there. And so and then they would abandon it because the leaves would sterilize the soil. They have oil in it, you know, eucalyptus oil. So once right. you have a grove of an acre to get wood and not, once the wood didn't work, then you couldn't get rid of it. Because it killed everything around it. The leaves would blow and sterilize the soil and you use it for firewood. But it would grow crazy, like 60 feet high. And you'd go in there, it would be pitch black. Well, every animal in the world would go in there. Coyotes, uh, foxes, uh, owls, hawks, eagles, snake, anything. And so people use that shade and there are the one next to us. They put turkeys in there and they would get out and stuff. But then we would sneak in there and we'd always run home by saying, oh, my God, a great horn owl is going to pick us up and drop us on the ground. <laughs> or, oh, there's a red tail or there's a big eagle in there or this fox attacked us. <laughs> and, or there's I, I talked about the weasels, but there were weasels everywhere. We thought. 
Yeah. It was like a childhood nightmare to go in there. And even when I was older, I, the person who owned it was pretty eccentric, but we had a deal where his eucalyptus two acres would blow leaves onto our vineyard. And then the leaves would be ground up in the soil and the oil, and then it would kill the vines. So we were allowed to cut down, I think 50 trees that border were right on the border so that their leaves wouldn't blow. So we had to go, we had to cut them down, but every summer, my grandfather would take us out there and we had to take knives or saws and cut down every bud, every little tweet, uh, anything that was sprouting from those stumps. Maybe maybe a hundred stumps. I did that every summer. So these awful eucalyptus uh, would not sterilize our vineyard what a good it was a wonderful childhood i don't i don't understand why some people i mean i empathize with people have very bad memories but i know that there were things that weren't perfect but as you get older you romanticize or i or you're realistic i don't know i don't know if my siblings share that but i feel like i had uh i was anything that i've been good at came from that childhood put it that way because it was just it was and it wasn't helicopter parentage that was so weird it was like uh you know victor go down and get your grandparents and should i i don't know you you just do it go do it and bring them back here i need them back here in an hour (laughs) you know what i mean here here's some food go take it to your uncle well what car (laughs) don't ask me just do it and it was that responsibility was really good and you know and then you got rewarded by hey you've been driving all over getting all the relatives sit down and have some ice cream and pie and a second and third helping (laughs) so it was that kind of uh, parentage yeah uh, god well i don't think i I was i was not the parent that my parents were i feel bad about that oh well all right victor don't come on don't well, it's Thanksgiving, sure. and you know, I think I wrote too yeah. much, or I was too uh, read Greek too much. Whatever it was, I didn't give the. I, I I don't know. I wasn't involved as much as I should have, but I wish I was. I, this is just a Thanksgiving reminder that any time you spend with your family or children, it's not it, it, you cannot never spend too much time. Yeah, I and that's, I would totally that's agree with that. You know, I, I, I've. I have like a, five adage. and it's a blessing to do, to be with them. Yeah. Yeah. I've never, I've met a lot of people and I always, you know, the, when they talk about children, you know what I've never heard? I've never seen yet. I'm not exaggerating. A person 70 suggest even subtly that they had too many children. I've heard thousands say, I wish I had another child. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Well, it is the 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 instruction is be fruitful and multiply. Not yeah, add, so. you think that people would say, "Oh my gosh, I had five or six children. I just was so tired. I wish I just had two or one." Yeah. But, which is as understandable, but I never heard that. Well, I'm I'm one of ten, so I uh, I, I might I might rank them, but yes. but I can't see uh, <laughs> well, who I, I would get rid of. Anyway, Victor, it's we've we've gone way over. I just we're way over. About, Sorry, everybody. No, I have to say one thing about Thanksgiving in New York, in the Bronx, very different than than Thanksgiving on a farm in the Central Valley. But the big thing about Thanksgiving was that the local TV station, Channel Nine WOR, would broadcast 
King Kong, and and King Kong got associated with Thanksgiving in the North. King Kong, the original. Yeah, oh with, yeah, yeah. Wasn't it Fay Ray in that? Fay Ray, yeah, it was a terrific, yeah. terrific. Uh, why, why they made it a Thanksgiving Day tradition is beyond me, but it's kind of strange. Anyway, Victor, you've been terrific. I want to recommend again, to folks, to visit uh, your website, uh, The Blade of Perseus, and do subs- subscribe. As for me, go to civilthoughts.com, civilthoughts.com. Sign up for the free weekly email newsletter I write for the Center for Civil Society at Amphil. It's, it's called Civil Thoughts. You'll enjoy it. I hear lots of folks who have subscribed to the show and they, they're thoroughly enjoying it. So thanks to those who do. Victor, you've been terrific. Happy Thanksgiving to the Hansen clan. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you who uh, faithfully listen to this show. And we will be back soon with another episode of the Victor Davis Hansen Show. Thank you, everybody, for listening and have a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Thank you.